Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oklahoma stays alive and gets themselves into the Big 12 championship game with a thrilling victory over BYU. Texas punches their ticket on Friday. A pair of teams, Kansas and West Virginia, reach eight wins on the season. Also, we get a victory and a weird one with Iowa State. Oklahoma wins, too. This is the Big 12 Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors, here on Crystal Ball College Football, part of the 365 Sports Network. Make sure you guys find us wherever you get your podcast here on YouTube as well. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. It's attempt number two of doing this. Uh, you want to make sure the mic is recording when you do it. Uh, but so please like the video, leave comments, help us out. We're struggling today on a Sunday, but I saw Peter Burns tweet this out about this, this being a uh, sunglasses and Advil type Sunday morning. I, I agree with that. This three day stretch of college and pro football is a massive grind um, but I'll tell you what, man, like it was rewarding and to, to see the end of the Oklahoma state game paired up with the end of the iron bowl was something that, uh, was pretty special. I mean, I had the quad box, I'm not sure about you all, but YouTube TV is just fantastic. Having the quad box, enjoying them both flipping between audio on both was, uh, was a delight. And as was the result, uh, that is where we're going to begin the day. So Oklahoma State in double overtime, 40 to 34, they beat BYU. They clinched their ticket to the Big 12 championship game where they will be opposite of the Texas Longhorns, who we will get to in a moment. But for Oklahoma State, their, um, their season as a whole has been a one filled with strange losses um, and really high highs and accomplishment. And I think the one thing that has stood out in the last couple games is this, is that we did overstate the loss of talent that this team went through when we talked about the portal. Um, I was guilty of it. I think a lot of us were guilty of it, but I, I'll be honest with you all. I was guilty of it too. So I think when you see as much talent as they had leave, when you see Brian Nardo come in kind of an unknown commodity, you get concerned, but I mentioned this before and I want to say it again, like what stood out from Oklahoma state this year is a lot of the guys they maintained. It's a lot of veterans and it's guys who have emerged too, but they've got just a lot of straight up decent players in this team. And they've got a coach in Mike Gundy when, you know, it's not always all you know, firing on all cylinders. It's ironic because in the inconsistency, there is so much consistency. I mean, they were favorites against South Alabama. They lost by 26. They were only two and a half point favorites against UCF, but they get you know blown out by 40 in that game. 
And then you see them in these games this year when they've been underdogs and they've been fantastic. And you also, you see them a couple times when they get down, they're able to use kind of that talent gap against worse teams to chase them down. I think in a vacuum, this team is not built to chase teams down. Um, I think though that when they are paired up against Houston and when they are paired up against BYU later in the season, they were able to, like the UCF game was a weird one in the rain, the elements and whatnot. And I, I think UCF just overwhelmed them. And UCF, once again, is a team that's got a, a decent amount of talent. But when the talent gap was apparent, Oklahoma State overcame. And that is coaching. That is, um, you know, a bit like, you know, as much of a fall into a hole as, as the problem is a problem. Um, that is ability that that is like they've earned their trip. No doubt the Big 12 championship game. Is it a weird nine and three? Yeah, like the nine and three K-State put together last year was a really strong nine and three. Each hiccup was kind of a reset that they rebounded from. You know, they lost to Tulane. They lost to Texas and uh, TCU, right? And there were injuries in that game. Um, these The losses that we saw this year for these guys were were strange ones and weird ones. And the other thing I like about this team too is they have been on a long road. They had their bye very early in the season. They were one of those teams that they played that Friday night game against K-State, and that was their bye week. So they had a bye um, the last week of September. They have played the 6th, the 14th, the 21st, the 28th, the 4th, the 11th, the 18th, the 25th, right? So they had uh, basically, you know, eight of their 12 games came after that. And out of those eight games, six of them are bowl teams. So they are playing challenging teams. And they put together this really strong run. And they've got a quarterback in Allen Bowman who takes good care of the football normally. They've got Ollie Gordon who has emerged into this star. And they've got guys like, like Leon Johnson shows up yesterday. And it's huge for them. And Presley, you know, dinged in the game. They need other guys to make plays. And they did. And um, you could tell there was this just massive swing in momentum at halftime of that game because BYU, they did not quit at all, but they kind of threw the kitchen sink in the first half. And it was pretty apparent early on, like BYU needed to score early in that half or else it could have gotten sideways. BYU is pretty fortunate that the extra point gets missed by Oklahoma State late in that game because that allowed them to go down the field and kick a field goal. I don't think they could have gotten to the end zone because I mean, Oklahoma state was given a little bit. That was not a great drive, but credit to BYU for sticking in this game all the way because they were not the better team in the second half. And the gap in the first half was huge, but like it was more of a, what like Oklahoma's asleep at the wheel. Both teams showed up in the second half and, and BYU's defense actually was pretty impressive. What they were able to do just holding them down but you can't hold down Ollie Gordon for that long. It seems, I mean, he just leans on you. He is a closer. He is, you know, he is like, I mean, the more I think about it, the more Derek Henry is what comes to mind. Uh, I would say like when it comes to short yardage or yardage in general, Le'Veon Bell, this was one of those games where he was not excellent in terms of hitting massive explosive runs. Longest run was 25 yards, uh, 23 yards but he's still 34 for 166, which is 4.9 and five touchdowns. And look, he got a couple there in the, in the overtime, but for him, it's those later in the game, he was just, he was a hammer and, and Bowman was really good late too, but you know, you get into overtime and it's like, okay, well we better get to two point Derby because these guys are going to score. Like these guys are going to score every single time because they have Ollie Gordon and uh, yeah, they leaned on him and he leaned on them and he's good at turning like a two yard gain into five and making it much more manageable for the offense. 
that is the value in Ollie Gordon. It's, it's those massive explosive runs are great, yes, but he's such a good physical, ro- uh, you know, runner, and he runs with such momentum in terms of like one positive run leading to the next, right? Like you can feel momentum in in Oklahoma State games in a way that I would argue like you really don't feel in other with other teams because you know when Oklahoma State's coming like that, it's you know what's coming, and, and not many teams have been able to stop it this year. And so you could feel it out of the gates in the second half. And I just want to credit Mike Gundy and company also too, for preventing what appeared to be, uh, you know, a disaster that could have happened for the big 12 there. I mean, there was, you know, we were looking right down the barrel of red river round two in the big 12 championship game. I cannot overstate what a uh, PR disaster it would have been if that was, uh, what we end up getting. And so Mike Gundy and company, nine and three, really strong year in the Big 12. They're going to have a shot at 10 wins. And so for as as inconsistent as this team was, they show up, they deliver, they get the win, and they're going to the Big 12 championship game. Was it clean? Was it easy? No, they were muffing punts. Uh, you know, they were missing extra points, even late in the game, right? They had turnovers, but they were able to overcome that because they do have a good coach and they do have a good talent advantage and they do not, did not lose as many guys as I think some of us thought the challenge squarely in front of them. And let's talk about that challenge now when it comes to Arlington, but credit to uh, Mike Gundy and Oklahoma state. And look, um, you know, I know, I know they're not playing for a spot in a, uh, they're playing for a spot in year six, obviously with the, they win the conference, but I know they're not playing for a spot in the college football playoff, but, but, they would love to send Oklahoma and Texas home packing with losses this season. They've already checked off Bedlam. Texas would be the next one to do it. To do that, though, they are going to have to unseat a team in Texas that just won 57-7 to over Texas Tech. A romp of uh, just considerable proportions in this game. And um, close after the first, not so much after the second, dog walk in the third. This this was one-way traffic. This was a dominant defensive performance. Texas Tech has run the ball very effectively later on in the year out of necessity, but out of what they should be doing too. Taj Brooks is a good runner. He leads the country in missed tackles caused. And also, they've got a quarterback in Baron Morton who clearly is not 100% with a shoulder. Well, when turned into a passing attack, he completed 19 passes for 88 yards. That is not very good. And uh, three interceptions on the day, too, one of which is a pick six. This Texas defense has been the difference. And I'll tell you what, you go back to that Bo Davis video from a couple years ago on the bus where Davis is getting filmed, chewing some ass on those guys and talking about, hey, you, you know, if y'all want to be here, like he was right. He was right about everything he said. Texas is now going to have the opportunity to leave this conference and they could go to any conference they wanted to and become a top five program. If they continually recruit like this, their offensive talent is considerable and they've had that before, but they're getting guys like Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers and AD Mitchell and Xavier worthy and JT Sanders. And I mean, the guys blue and Baxter and Johnson and Robinson, they've got this cohort of backs that are just all massive talents and the offensive line is good too. What will separate Texas and we'll ultimately see it later on is the defense. Their second, their back end is not excellent. It is not. 
doesn't really matter though for them this season. What they've been bringing up front is it's hard to compare it to to what else we've. I mean, there are not many teams in the country. I, I would say Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, probably are the ones up front, and then you could say oh, Alabama too, that are doing what Texas is doing this season, right? That is the big thing for them. And I mean, you look at the guys in the middle. Tavondre Sweat has been awesome this year. Uh, I think he's one of those. You know, Byron Murphy in the middle for them too. Alfred Collins in the middle for them too. I mean. These guys have just been, you know, really good up the middle and also on the ends too. You know, Sorrell's had a nice year. Burks had a nice year. Anthony Hills had a nice year. You know, Jalen Ford obviously is a tackle machine. They've had all of these guys all season that have been really good players for them. And once again, I'm not mentioning a lot of guys in the back end because I don't think it's a particularly good back end. But if your plan is to run the football against Texas, I would like to tell you good luck. And so that's a credit to Sark for what he has built. Is our offense pedal to the metal all the time? No. In this game, yes, it was. But they are a top 10 program. Uh, they're a top 10 team, excuse me, this season. Uh, if they keep recruiting like they are, they will be, doesn't matter where they go, they will be a problem for everybody they play. And I don't know how it goes for them against a, um, I mean, they beat Alabama on a neutral field. Like Alabama might beat them now, but they are neutral field. They beat them on the road. But uh, you got to give Texas a ton of credit for what they built this year. Still, though, I will say this, like Texas's problem. And when they play that video of Brett Yormark and, and sticking it to him, everything and look, fair play to them. Texas's problem recently has not been anybody else. It's been Texas. It's the mistakes they make. That game against Kansas State could have been a loss in a game where they were the much better team. They had to ice the game against TCU. They were a much, much better team. Um, and so the last two weeks, what I've liked is there, you know, they didn't leave much doubt against Iowa state. Like that was a slow plotting game. We saw Iowa state, how good they were in Farmageddon and what a great win for them in the elements. You know, this is a slow, uh, this has been kind of like, a, you know, this, this grind for them and these last two games, I just thought they showed a lot of the quality that they started not showing in that middle of the season towards the back end. And so to see them finish like this. It's top. It's a top five team. It's top sixteen this year. You know, and are they Georgia good? I don't think so. Are they Michigan good? I don't think so. Maybe you know Ohio State good. Hey, they might be. They got a better quarterback than Ohio State. Tell you that. Their defense has been just as good up front as Ohio State's defense has been this year, and so they've got an equalizer in that front. And I think that's what gives them a chance. And it feels like Ad Mitchell. Every time they need a big play, they go to him, and he's gotten them many throughout the season. And even though Jonathan Brooks has gone down, they've still been able to maintain a good rushing attack. So I think Texas deserves a ton of credit. And um, I think Oklahoma State's a live dog, but I think there's a good reason why Texas is a 12, 13 point favorite, depending on where you look as we head to Arlington next week. It makes sense. They were a hammer in this game. They have got kind of that hammer capability uh, that they've been showing. Right. And so uh, I'm, I'm, you know, curious if they will keep doing that as we move forward. All right. Let's go with the crazy one. Farmageddon, my Lord. Uh, this was sideways. It was snowy. It was electric. It was uh, the rushing offense that we have not seen the entire season from Iowa State. Uh, Abu Sama, the third of the big story, 16 for 276 and three scores. Uh, Rocco Beck completed three pass, eight passes, rather. Three of them were touchdowns. He throws for 230. The tackling from K-State was absolutely appalling. All right, I have to say that right off the bat. But but for Iowa State 
to go seven and five, six and three in the league, folks, and end up this season where they did at the start. Matt Campbell is getting consideration for for coach of the year. Last year, I put up a graphic, or last week rather, I put up a graphic where I did my power rankings. I don't have it anymore, but I did my power rankings for Big 12 coach of the year. And right now, I think it's still Sark. I think Gundy is number two, but I I think you can make a really strong case for Matt Campbell and Lance Leipold. I think they could both, you could both make a case for them. When you consider Iowa State's roster, this is not the quarterback they thought they were going to have. But because this is a program that does well developing players, all right, they have now got a quarterback in Rocco Becht who will be going into his third year with the program is going to have three more years left of eligibility. All right. They are going to have guys across the board. You know, I think if you want to be developed, like this is where you go. And they're really good at identifying talent too. Jalen Knoll can come back after what was a really strong season for him. Uh, Jaden Higgins can come back after what was a really strong season for him. Right. They got to keep these guys. They got to, you know, work on the offensive line and you know, their defense, I think, is going to be good eventually once again. Um, and they got to find some of those pass rushers, the Will McDonald's of the world. But for them to win this game, for them to finish the season the way they did, what a fun contest for them again. I know folks are lamenting the fact that it's going to be gone every single year. It's not going away. We're still getting it. But um, for, for it to end like this, uh, just a lot of fun. A lot of fun. We'll get to the K-State part of it later on uh, about what this team is and what they weren't this season. But Iowa State deserves their flowers for this performance and for getting to 7-5 and five and for finishing 6-3 and three in the league. Herculean effort. And for them to cap it off like this, and even the last two weeks, like they played two pretty good games uh, for Iowa State. So that is fantastic. Matt Campbell continues to be a coach who does the most with the least, and it's very impressive to watch. Also on the day, West Virginia and Kansas both get to eight wins on the season. West Virginia 34-31 by hook or by crook. They get the job done. This one was won in the end of the game thanks to a Garrett Green touchdown pass to Jaheim White. I believe it was a wheel route there. Uh, They rushed for 250, nearly seven yards a carry. Garrett Green goes for over 100 yards once again, 16 to 25, 269, two scores. Jaheim White over 100 yards on 17 carries. This offense is becoming a bit more dynamic. It's got the run. It's got the pass. They do struggle when they go up against tougher level competition, but they are a clear hurt. Like you, if you are good, you, you play with West, like West Virginia is good. If you want to be really good, you got to beat them, right? Um, and they have been really good all season. And look, have they beaten a lot of good teams? No, but like that's what good teams do. They beat bad teams. So for Neil Brown to take back play calling, to develop the quarterback, like this is the reason why you keep a job is what Neil Brown is showing us right now. He is in charge of the offense. His signal caller, who was you know uh, a guy who struggled with a passing game, has become a really good passer. The rushing offense is dynamic and has multiple ways to hit you. And your quarterback is getting better. And he's a massive part of the rushing attack, but he can do both. And he is a great leader as well. But this, if you're asking like, okay, why should we keep you as the coach? That's why at the most important position, Neil Brown is cultivating a guy next year that I think should deserve some consideration for preseason all big 12. If you wanted to even say this season, Garrett green deserves some consideration for all big 12. 
I wouldn't fight you too much on that. I mean, the guy has rushed for 700 yards and 13 touchdowns. He's thrown for only 15, sure, but four picks. And also, here's a big number, too, guys. He's only been sacked four times. Um, I cover Arkansas for a living. KJ Jefferson's been sacked four times in a game like six times this year, right? And look, the offensive line's been great. There's no doubt about that. But you can't understate that Garrett's ability to escape is also a huge part of that, too. Once again, those two things work in tandem, but the fact that this offense had as much success as it did, and look, guys, like this is not an overwhelming physical team on either side of the ball, right? It's not. But they were able to look like the better team in a lot of their games this year. The only time they lost to what I would consider an inferior opponent was the game against Houston, and they lost it on a Hail Mary on the last play of the game. This could easily be a nine-win team going for 10. Was a schedule? Did it work out in their favor? Yes, but they took advantage of that. So I think Neil Brown obviously deserves another year. Now, was he working from a disadvantage already because I thought he should be on the hot seat? Yes, that can be true. But also, if we're going for nine wins, and I thought it would take eight, nine to save his job, like I thought at six his job was safe, but it's hard to, to argue with him getting another year at this point in time. There's just no debate about that. And uh, speaking of, of another year, uh, I hope he gets all the years. Uh, Lance Leipold, never leave this conference. They go, and for the last time this season, I was very sad. Uh, last time I can bet against the Cincinnati Bearcats. 49-16 for Kansas. Eight wins in the season, five and four in the league. Could they have been better? Yes. What stopped them? Not them. Injuries, right? And here's the thing, folks. They were outclassed once this year in the game against Texas, and it happened for one half. Their losses came in games where the third-string quarterback played most of the game uh, against Tech, and also, two came against uh, Kansas State where they played their third-string the entire game. They lost those two games at home, sure, but they lost those two games by a combined seven points. If I had told you about Kansas football and their third-string quarterback, if you think about where this program has been as a whole, that usually would spell disaster, right? It's usually been a disaster with the first-string quarterback. Things have changed for Kansas football. It's because of the man up top. It's because of these players, obviously. But guys, when we watch Kansas play Oklahoma, and there is not an obvious physical disadvantage, it looks like both teams belong on the field together up front. That is a departure from what we've seen in the past. And these playmakers like Jacoby Bryant can be a feast or famine corner, but he makes big plays. Like, like this defense knows, knows what they are. They attack. They swarm. I enjoy watching it. Does it work out all the time? No. This run game, guys, is as creative as it gets. They ran for 9.2 a tote yesterday. Neil for 102 scores. Bean, good Lord, did you all see that run he had? And then the most impressive part of Jason Bean's 50-yard touchdown run yesterday was how he stopped short of the concrete uh, floor, like just on a dime. Because, I mean, once he's in space, I think Devin Neal is on the outside. You kind of, you kind of see him just toss his hands up in the air because, you know, once once Bean goes, it's it's curtains, right? Boat race. I mean, it's not it's not going to work out for you. So, I mean, you know, that was impressive to see that. Uh, uh, Dylan McDuffie gets in on the action today, too, uh, with a score. And they spread the ball around so well. And good to see Bean back. You know, final regular season game shows up and was four total touchdowns, really strong passer. And this thing, you know, what Lance Leipold has done, like they could have been better than eight wins. They could have. Um, but I think they're going to have plenty of opportunities to, to be at eight and nine in the future. Not every year. There will be down years. All programs have down years. 
but because of how good of a coach he is, he's in, he's like Matt Campbell. He's a good evaluator. And he's a hell of a coach and he hires really good coordinators. Uh, and nobody wears out those refs like Lance Leipold too, which is always fun to watch, but credit to KU for getting there as well. And also we have to shout out UCF, another one of those teams that reaches bowl eligibility. The UCF Knights get to six and six with their win over Houston. Uh, this is one of JRP's John Rice Plumley's better games, right? Harvey has a big game. Hudson has a nice game. Baker's got a good game. They always, those guys usually do well, but they were able to, to, you know, manage this thing. They rallied in this game too, but uh, the middle section towards the end too, the last three quarters, they only allow three points. Houston has not run the ball at all this year very well. And so as a function of that, uh, 259 total yards of offense, one for 10 on third down, a huge problem for Houston as well. And so that is what mostly led to this effort and five yards of carry, I think, for UCF helps. So they're the only team out of the new schools that'll be going to a bowl game. They deserve a lot of credit. I think Gus Malzahn does in company for that. And that's a program, obviously, we'll be watching moving forward. But this is good news. This is this is the program due to location, due to school size, due to uh, you know moving up to a power conference where they are playing in Texas now, too. This is the program with the coach as well. I think we all have our eyes on some clear deficiencies, especially on the defensive side of things, but a lot to be positive about. And I'm also excited to see, hey, what's the direction for them at quarterback? Because I think if they improve that, there's a lot that could improve about UCF. Uh, I feel pretty good about that. Not, not, not demeaning John Rice Plumley, but I think there's some quarterbacks who are better at quarterback, if that makes sense. Final game, let's check in on Oklahoma 69. Uh, TCU 45, Oklahoma has been awesome at home this year. Uh, what they have done in their own building has been remarkable just with how badly they've beat teams. I mean, 73, nothing is Arkansas state, uh, 2011 against SMU, but SMU is pretty good. 50 to 20 against Iowa state 31, 29 against UCF's the close one, but 59 to 20 against West Virginia, 69, 45 against TCU. And so Dylan Gabriel has a massive day. The big news now coming out of, of Norman is, will they be able to retain Jeff Levy? It sounds like Levy is heading to Mississippi State. But um, regardless of the fact that this 10-2 and two was not that impressive outside of the Texas win, uh, look, they, they beat West Virginia. They killed them. Iowa State, they killed them. Like it's like They're a good team. They're a good team. Uh this is progress for Oklahoma, considering how things were in year number one under BV. This this can only be considered as progress, considering yeah where they where they were with you know year number one against Brent Venables. Uh, so that's yeah that's where I think with them. And then TCU missing a bowl game, yikes, yikes. Yeah, man, but, but what a weekend, what a final day, you know, across the board, it was great, and and what a season we've had uh, in the Big Twelve Conference. It's been a lot of fun. Leave your thoughts on what went down this weekend in the comments section. Like the video as well, too. We'll be back with the Losers Corner on the Monday edition of this show. Uh, the losses, what they mean. There's a group of teams heading into the offseason, so it's time to consider uh, who will be stepping up, uh, you know, and who are we going to lose any coaches, right? Dana Holgerson, obviously, in the hot seat, so a whole lot of conversation coming out of this weekend. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well.